Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. Perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Welcome to today's session. Great to have you here with me. And this is going to be another highlights, where it's a mashup of three wonderful guests. Now, first, before I go there, I just wanted to say thank you to all the lovely messages from the listeners where I celebrate the five-year anniversary of meeting with the specialist who has given me the, the all clear from the tumor that was removed and it's wonderful news. So I want to say thank you to everybody for the wonderful messages that have come through and for your love and support, and it's time to get their voice of impact out there for sure. And the podcast is a great way to get their voice of impact out there to help leaders develop their voice, leadership skills, and capabilities. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Three wonderful guests. Episode 213, Denise Torres, Lead on Fire. And straight away, as soon as you start hearing the snippet, you're going to go, whoa, what a great lady. Episode 215 is Dennis Mark. It's almost like a theme there, Denise, Dennis. Dennis Mark, the episode is called Don't Let the Past Define Your Future. And then on episode 216, Kevin Dedner. He's got Create Space to Protect Mental Health. And we talk about wonderful discussion about the mental health things and so forth, but what he's also gone through. So, listeners, sit back and enjoy the highlights. Tell me more about your background. Yeah. So if I'm listening to this, the last thing I want to hear is someone to go through their whole freaking <laughs> resume, right? So yeah. let me just give you the, hopefully the more interesting points, but I grew up in a steel town in Indiana in the U.S. And this was a huge, you know, U.S. steel, it was called. So it was like its own city, but I ended up working as a janitor in the steel mill, going through high school and pretty much a lower uh, middle class background. And so I was 
wildly motivated by fear. And so, you know, growing up being this janitor, I was a janitor in a hospital. So I, I had this experience of feeling definitely like an underdog, which really shaped me. And going from there, I was, if you ever saw the Forrest Gump movie, there's a famous scene where Forrest is running and he shakes off his braces. And so I kind of felt like looking back like Forrest Gump because I, you know, went to college and went to law school because I thought, hey, certainly I'll be able to take care of myself financially. And I hated it. I went back at my MBA, went into pharmaceutical business and healthcare for, you know, 15 years and then went to a different company, Johnson & Johnson, for another 13 years. And so through this whole, you know, adventure, being a woman, being Hispanic, and then coming out as gay and then having a baby, I, and I always say having a sixth grade sense of humor, I wasn't exactly the poster child for corporate America, but all of that ended up helping me be successful. Well, what a fascinating background and, and that you, you've just shared with, uh, with us. It's amazing. You know, going from janitor then into a C-suite kind of role. For what we see a lot of our in the world today, there is that glass ceiling that a lot of people talk about, especially for females and, and leadership and things like that. I mean, one of the questions I got is, how did you get into leadership? But then also, how did you transition into into those more senior roles? Yeah. In the beginning, it was a lot about just sheer busting ass. You know, mm. I was the person that worked super hard. And, you know, oftentimes people would talk about, you know, sponsorship and I didn't have a sponsor. And that happened when I was in my early thirties and I met this wonderful leader at Lilly. He was 60 and I don't know. He saw something in me and he took me under his wing and, you know, he gave me a lot of different opportunities, which ultimately changed the trajectory of my career. And Dennis, he gave me this incredible gift. And yes, it was the promotions and all that, but he gave me the gift of self-confidence. And when I think about the power that leaders have to give others, to enable, to unleash their self-confidence, I just never, I will never forget him. And he, he really, he changed the tra- not only the trajectory of my career, but really he changed my life. Whoa. Um, that, I mean, I've got goosebumps just listening to what you're sharing there because, you see, it comes down to not just what we say, but it's how we, how we treat people as leaders. And it's so impactful that it means for years later, listeners, that you can be still impacted by that one person. That one conversation, that one yes. word. And I think, that, as you said, the gift of self-confidence, that's that's just a beautiful way of saying it. However, what he actually did was he actually saw what you you had. You know, you had something, something you could offer and helping you bring that out and actually helping other organizations. I think that is, Denise, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to ask the question here. Is, I think that's what our roles as leaders is, is to to, to bring the best out of other people. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, and I think... I truly believe that, you know, having come from a background where as a janitor and not being in the in crowd, I didn't feel seen. And Mm. when I, you know, you don't forget those feelings. And so as I moved into leadership positions, a lot of hard work, but also individuals that truly helped me and opened doors along the way, I had some tenets that I really believed in and that leading others is such a privilege. 
And it's a privilege because sure, it impacts the business, but it also gives meaning to our life. And, you know, when you look back, they would say you won't necessarily remember those business results, but you'll remember people and those people that still keep in touch with you, the people that tell you stories about maybe how you've helped them. And so I learned about leadership that we have the ability to help others be seen. And when they're seen, they can flourish. We have the ability to impact their self-confidence. We have the ability to help them dream. And also when we do this, it's a ripple effect. It impacts their families. It impacts all kinds of things. And today where engagement is just, it's always been critically important, but today with so much incredible change, happening in the world, the leader's ability to embrace or to really grab people's, not their minds, but their hearts, to me is so important and so fundamental. And it requires us to let go of our own bullshit and our Mm. own ego. Tell me more about your background. Is there anything else you want to share with us? Yeah, sure, sure. I spent most of my time in the technology world, and I think it's, it's always exciting. We are always in the forefront of changes and all the new and exciting technology that lots of promises. Some deliver really well, some pretty far stretch. But I must say that I really enjoy riding ahead of the curve, right? Mm. And, and hence, that's why after 30 years with almost 30 years with HP and various other technology companies, I, I really want to get in the position to continue to enjoy the wave of technology. So now I'm with the company called Lantern.ai, who's providing go-to-market as a service uh, for software as a service business and AI startups. So I think this is really exciting, you know, really continue to propel into the world of as a service everything as a service. And I think that's probably the beginning of, of this wave and we will see more to come. And on the other hand, I'm sitting on a few boards, right? On one hand, I'm serving with Singapore Red Cross as their board council member. I'm also the chairman of the international responses. And over the last two years, we were just being so busy with all these COVID responses and all. But I would also say having this strategic view on the board really changed my perspective on many different things, right? We, we need to look longer term, but at the same time, we also need to be very surgical in our responses to situations that uh, require us to make a difference. So I'm enjoying myself a lot, right? Especially connecting with the network that I built up over time, right? Yeah. People like yourself, in a matter of course, I, I can get some great advice or some great connects or tips to get things even better, faster, and more responsive. I think this one thing we shouldn't underestimate the network that we build up over time, right? Am I yeah, cool. really excited? Yep. That's awesome. I'm going to come back to you in relation to the networking, but there was something else you said before, which is around your background. So here you are at a large, well, it was a Fortune 10 company, and then, of course, it split up being Hewlett-Packard. Then you've gone and left there. Now you've gone into a startup, but then you've also gone from an internal senior role within a large corporate now also as a board member of a couple of boards as well. Tell me, the transition between the corporate into the startup and then into the boards, what's that transition been like for you? That's an interesting one. Yeah, I think you need to be conscious that you need change. You need to have a change in your mindset, your attitude about how things happen and you need to change the world, but you need to change yourself first, right? Uh, you need to be adaptive. You need to be 
adjusting yourself to the different requirement. And every situation requires you to be different. So if you, for me, I need to switch consciously to that mindset and no longer in a large company, I need to be as nimble, as flexible, and as adaptive to the environment that I needed to. Yeah, yeah, so good. So we need to be adaptive, we change and nimble, and also our mindset. I mean, that's a huge one, right, around the mindset. And Dennis, you said earlier on, the, before that even, so you actually said about how you enjoy the ride ahead of the curve. When, when you And I think that's the words you used. When you say that, what do you do to stay ahead of the curve? Yeah, that's a good one. So I would normally try to look at the big picture, where the entire trend is heading, where the situation is heading. Then allow me to project myself forward so that I can be in a place where I can receive the ball, right? You, you can read the ball, where it's going, and you, you need to move to where the park is heading instead of uh, responding to yesterday's situation. So that's what I, I normally would aim to do. Sometimes I might miss it, but sometimes I will run ahead of the ball. But it's this practice and, and trying to anticipate and, and you will get it right as you kind of perfect the art. It's a, it's, a, it's a combination of art and science, you know, by reading a situation. Well, that's a nice way of putting it, a combination of art and science. But you're right, it's actually reading the situation before it even happens and having that sort of hindsight, well, not hindsight, having that vision and that insight to be able to actually see it happening as well, and which is, which is fantastic. Now, the other thing you mentioned, as I said, I'll come back to it, was networking. And as you said, I think that's probably one of the big things that uh, has helped you be successful and other leaders as well. But a lot of leaders out there today aren't very good at networking. What would be one or two tips you might actually say to people that they should do in building a network? Well, what, what are one or two things they can do? Well, to, to be honest, I'm not extrovert. So for me, networking doesn't come naturally. But I do consciously find common interests and common topics that I could strike a win-win relationship, right? And I, I, I believe in building a relationship for long term. Um, so mm. I'm not going to go in with the short term gain for myself over the other party. But I would want to go in, understand what's their hot buttons. What would they need me to value add to them in the, this relationship? Because once I establish that, then typically I could book ourselves from business associate to partners mm-hmm. and then sometimes into friends if if the common interests go beyond uh, just the business win-win solutions right and into personal interests i think that's where it will be you know that the level that you can have a really sustainable uh, network out there yeah fantastic and i really like what you say there about building relationships i think People tend to sort of get hung up about that word networking. And it's not about networking. It's about building relationships for the future as, as well as you said. And, and I think that's very good that we can do that. Looking for people's hot buttons and helping them. And, and yes, I think that that's great. And when you said you're probably an you're not an extrovert, you're an introvert. Come on, man. I, I, I've seen you. We, we've, we've had some fun together and good laughs and things like that. And, and I know that you're here at times have been spiky as well. What do you mean you're not an extrovert? <laughs> yeah, those are my antennas to pick up the right signals. But you know that there's a there's a bit about natural self, right? So if I'm in my downtime, 
I might be just reading a few books, magazines, watching some movies, or, or picking up some nice photography to to learn more. I, I'm I'm probably more in the mode of learning, but I want to learn uh, in a quiet space, and that's my natural self. But when I'm then out on almost like a mission, right? It, be it a business setting or in a personal setting where I need to connect, when I need to build up relationship for a long-term good. It could be a ch- charitable mission. It could be a business mission. But then I, I switch on to that mode about wanting to build sustainable relationship and meaningful relationship. And I constantly ask myself, how could I value add to this party, to this person that I'm meeting? Right. Uh, so that may, maybe it's a, a, a quite strain to myself. That's why sometimes it becomes not that enjoyable. Right. Uh, but sometimes mm. it's so much fun that you, you, you forget that you are in a mission too. Right. Tell me, is there anything else you'd like to share about your background? Yeah, I, I think the way I would answer that is no one is more surprised than I am that you and I are here having this conversation today and that I'm doing the things that I'm doing in life now. I think, you know, that's kind of if, if all of us take a second to reflect, that's that's a story that probably all of us that resonates with everyone. Right. Yeah. And reflecting is a huge tool, a huge thing for us to do. And I'm not sure that a lot of people do take time out to reflect. And I actually say to people that I work with as well around the world, take time out to reflect and think about what's just happened and what you've done. And because a lot of people seem to think about the things that haven't gone well for them. But what about has, what things that did go well for you? And what are you, gratitude, you, know, you know, the gratitude you have for certain things? I find that interesting. Kevin, whereabouts in the world are you today? I am sitting in my parlor in Washington, D.C., Awesome. And I'm in New Zealand. So it's just amazing how we can talk about leadership and mental health and so forth from around the different sides of the world, which is fantastic. Yes. So Kevin, how did you get into leadership? I would answer that question by saying I've always been some kind of leader. And I think, you know, in my adolescence years, I went through this rough period there that I was actually considering not being a good kid. And I had one of those experiences that I think so many of us have that we promise God, if, if I can just live through this moment, I'll walk the straight and narrow, right? Yep. <laughs> and so I had one of those experiences when I was around 14 years of age. And I made a conscious decision that what leadership skills I had or sort of the person I wanted to be was going to be a good person. And I think that that was a, a conscious decision for me. But because before that, it was very clear that I could use those skills in a bad way. But I made a conscious decision to use those skills in a good way when I was about 14. Yeah. And it's it's interesting how it was conscious that you made that decision. I think a lot of people in life are on autopilot. They just do things day in, day out, whatever comes up. But if, if we are a little bit more conscious in our decision-making, that I think will probably help us. So it's really interesting. That whole period for you of you could go off not be good versus good, that whole transition, you making that conscious decision, how hard was that for you? What was the experience like? <laughs> well, you know, Dennis, the experience I had is I, I sort of almost lost my life as a teenager, sort of in the middle of a, it was, I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. In the mid nineties, there was a, a raging gang war. And while I wasn't in a gang, I was sort of caught in the war, if that makes sense. 
And, and so for me, you know, the, the decision was pretty easy. I was laying on the ground with bullets flying over my head. And, and I promised God, if I just, if I could just get through that moment, <laughs> that, that I would be a completely different person. So in that moment, the decision was not hard because I was making a decision about the type of life that I wanted to live. But I'd imagine, Dennis, that if I had not had that moment of reckoning, that decision would have been harder for me. So I think that that's an important point, that I had this moment of reckoning that I was literally forced to decide what type of life I wanted to live and who did I really want to be? You know, whether or not when, you know, my eulogy was written, would would I bring honor to my family or would it be a eulogy of shame? Mm. Oh, amazing. That is that is just really amazing because when we step back and reflect on, going back to what you said originally about reflecting and that, it's just amazing to see what I call those turning points in our lives, those areas of, as you said, reckoning and, and make, having to make a decision right there and then. Really amazing. Kevin, now this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? So I, I think you, you mentioned earlier in your, in your introduction of me that I just penned my first book. And it's only after writing my first book, and I spent a lot of time writing about my maternal grandmother, and her name is, is Ella May. Now, I should tell you, in the American South, in many families, it's disrespectful to call your elders by their first name. But in my family, even today, we still call my maternal grandmother Ella May. And by the way, she's 104 years old. But it was only in writing my book and I was recalling these lessons and uh, in life that she taught me, she taught me and my family, my extended cousins, that I realized that not only is she sort of the matriarch of my family, but she's also the leader who I respect the most. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, wow. 104 years of age. 104. Yeah, yeah. She even survived COVID, by the way. Oh, she got COVID as well and survived it? <laughs> she got COVID and survived. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that is amazing. Good on her. That's fantastic. And I think that for all of us, with our elders, our grandparents and so forth, some people don't have their grandparents anymore. They've lost their grandparents. But if you have, even for our listeners, take time to sit with them and learn from them. Take time to reflect with them because they have a wealth of knowledge and so much that they can learn. And Kevin, you and I are probably at an age where we've seen certain things in our lives, but they've seen a lot in their lives. And, and you know, you think about where your grandmother was right through to, to now and what she's seen, the different stages of life and things have changed. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and what they're going to be able to tell you about things is I think we all can learn so much from them all. Yeah, absolutely. You know, mm. I, as I said, I never... Before I penned my book, I never thought of her, quote, as a leader. You know, I just sort of thought of her as my grandmother. And I think that that's even a lesson in that because it's really like many of us are, are leading, are providing examples of leading, being a leader. And we're unconscious that somebody's watching us, that someone's mimicking us, that we're teaching valuable lessons just by the things that we do on a daily basis. And I think, you know, my reflection on her is, so many of my values, so much of how I interact with people, so of my desire to be kind, to be genuine, 
for people comes from the type of behavior that I saw her model in front of me. Yep. And that's something that we need to be mindful of as well as we're modeling things too. And as you said, I, I love it because leaders aren't always having to be in a corporate or a public health environment. It, it is everywhere. And we can yeah. learn so much from people. And I uh, recently uh, released episode 200. And mm, congratulations. Inter- Thank you. And I was interviewed and I, I was asked that question, who's my favorite leader? And I said, my grandfather. And, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. And so I explained why. And, and a lot of it is he was a president of this island in Greece where my dad's from. And, and it wasn't as if it was he was this large corporate kind of guy. He was the president, the mayor of the island type scenario for 28 years. But he, he led the island. He led people. And he knew his place as well because my grandmother was the real leader. And um, so, he, <laughs> so he knew his place. But I think... It was really great. So I'm, I'm, uh, when I ask people this, they, they say all sorts of people like Mandela and Gandhi and other people. But, you know, when I hear people who say the grandmother, the grandfather, family members, someone else close to them, it's, it's special. I think it's yeah. not, to, not to take away from the others what they've said, but I think that's really special. I would like to say this because it, it goes a step further and, and gives some definition to why I now call her a leader. She didn't have a lot of money but she was quite resourceful. Her husband had died from dementia. So instead of him being put in a nursing home, she wanted him to come stay with her in his final years of life. And so I saw her provide that level of care for him. I mean, that's like what an example that is in itself of being a caretaker, right? So that also meant like my adolescence years growing up, like my I didn't have a grandfather there and she didn't have any. She lost a son when he was 25. He drowned and her other son had gone away and to the Navy. So she didn't have any sort of maternal or uh, male figures. There weren't any male figures. It was my, my grandmother and my aunts, right? And, but she taught us how to use a hammer. She taught us how to <laughs> fix things and she taught us how to cut grass, how to tend to the garden. So it's like all of these things that typically people think in like in the rural South that these are things that men would teach boys how to do. Here, I had a, a grandmother teaching me how to do those things. And and then on top of that, you know, she even taught me how to cook and she taught me how to be kind and how to be generous. And so I say to my friends sometimes that I often think that I have this perfect balance of masculine and feminine energy at the same time. And, and they say, well, where does that come from? I think it comes from the role model of my grandmother. She taught us that there was there wasn't a task reserved for men. There wasn't a task reserved for women. And she taught us how to sort of just to take what we had and to work with it. And so, yeah, she is like in my book of leaders that I respect the most. Mm -hmm. That's her. Well, listeners, what a wonderful way to celebrate the five-year anniversary of the tumor being removed from my left vocal cord by sharing three wonderful guests in episode 257, which is Denise Torres from episode 213, 215 is Dennis Mark, and of course from episode 216 is Kevin Dedner. I'm going to really encourage you to go and listen to those different episodes. What Denise, Dennis, and Kevin share are some beautiful insights into helping you be a fantastic leader. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. 
Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.